Good morning. Hey, will you join me in thanking Matt and Dave and our worship team and Jason uh, just for our, the worship service? Well, I am convinced the the longer I live and walk in the Christian journey, I am convinced that we significantly overestimate our part in spanning the gap between us and Jesus. And and something recently happened that reminded me of this. Um, Our daughter is a freshman over at Chatfield High School, and they're already figuring out classes for next year. And so she's talking about wanting to, to possibly do Spanish and, and learn this foreign language. And I had this flashback to my, my freshman year. Okay, so in eighth grade, I had done this class that basically went like three quarters of the year. And I, I, I thought, well, it'd be nice to just have a free block that last quarter of the semester. But then I had friends in Spanish class, and it was introductory Spanish. So... I just jumped in with them, and the teacher was fine with it, and I got all of, by the time I got in there, I got like six weeks of Spanish, which was really just hangout time with, with my friends. So I get to Columbine High School, and I get my schedule, and I see that they have placed me in Spanish 2, okay? And I don't know, maybe you've taken introductory Spanish, you're kind of like trying to decide if you want to continue with it. But like six weeks of Spanish, when you're already behind the class, it's just, I already was in a bad spot. So first day of Spanish 2, my freshman year, I, I walked in, I saw the professor, and I just said to her, hey, um, I'm not supposed to be in here. Like, I, I have no business being in here. She's like, oh, that's fine. Santa, you know, sit down. Whatever that, whatever that is in Spanish, okay? That tells you how much I remember. But anyway... So I was like, okay, I'll just talk to her after class. And I see my friend, and he's like, I'm not supposed to be in here either. And she, she begins the class, and she proceeds to tell us, I want everybody to stand up, and you're going to introduce yourself in Spanish. Do you see the problem already? Okay. So I'm whispering to my friend, and I was like, hey, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to get up, and I'm going to say, hi, I'm Nathan. He's like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing. We're going English on this. So she's coming around the room, and my friend gets up, and he's like, hola, me amo, and like says his name. And I was like, what are you doing? We had a, an agreement. And uh, so she had me stand up. And I, honestly, the way it went was, hola, my name is Nathan. And then she did this thing that every Spanish teacher does. And if you're a Spanish teacher, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm labeling you right now. They go, they have this interruption every time. Ah, 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 en espanol, por favor. And I went, I was trying to tell you, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't belong in here. I, I have no business being here. Um, and she said, I just want you to try. Okay, fine. Hola, I'm Nathan. Yo no hablo espanolo, okay? <laughs> so I like made it through that class. Nathan, can I see you? So I'm, I'm sitting here with this teacher, and she said, I, I get the impression that maybe you don't want to learn Spanish. I was like, no, I just, I just don't feel like I belong. And she, she said, well, is it, is it that you really don't belong, or you just are really enjoying staying in the world of English? 
And as I thought about that, and as I thought about our daughter, you know, possibly signing up for a foreign language this week, I thought about our relationship with Jesus and, and church, and, and I just was reminded of, of how many of us could, at some point or another, feel so far away. And you're looking at this gap that you think you've got to span between you and Jesus, and, and it just seems insurmount, insurmountable. And so what we do, because it's just human nature, is we go, I, I can't do it. And we begin to despair. And if that, if that is you, has been you, if there's a point where this, this comes for you, I want to take you into Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. If you, if you haven't been here, we are going through the book of Mark, every single verse of it, because it is incredibly, incredibly rich. But as, in particular this morning, I believe there is something that his word just has to say to us. And I want to just uncover and unearth personally what it, has done, what it has done in me as I've gone through it this time around because I saw it in a whole new way and I've read this passage a number of times through the years but there was something about this one that I just went oh my goodness there, there is something so liberating in here but you gotta you gotta go through some stuff that that can be tough for us listen to this verse 14 of chapter 1 of Mark It says this, after John was put in prison, just think about this sentence for a minute, how it starts and how it ends. After John was put in prison, okay, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And I don't know about you, but I look at that and I go, okay, wait a second. We started with John in prison. And if you know anything about John's story, John would never come out of prison. Because the Herods, you know, one of the Herod family was, was overseeing this region. And he was not happy with John the Baptist. John had called him out. He had him thrown in prison. And ultimately, John would die there. He would be beheaded. And yet Mark just says this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And you're going, what about John in prison? How is this good news, Mark? Or if Peter relayed this to him, Peter, how is this good news? And already we've got this callback to last week. Remember where we landed in the verses leading up to this? That his good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, thankfully, fortunately, it doesn't have to do with us. Because there are times in life you look around and you don't see any good news. And you look at what's happening to you and you don't see any good news. And maybe you look within you and it's hard to find good news. And there's a reminder here that good news is not dependent on us. That is good news. And it's not dependent on whether John the Baptist is in prison. That's good news. And so Jesus, beginning his ministry, he begins right here. And what we're actually seeing here is something that has happened over and over and over and over in Scripture. See, when God starts doing something, you know what happens? People come and people go. And outside of Jesus, there is no one human on earth in history that everything begins with and ends with. You know, David, David wanted to build the temple, King David. You know, God said, nah, I'm going to have somebody else do that. Moses, Moses wanted to take the people into the promised land. And God goes, no, I I got you to hear But I'm going to have somebody else do that because it's all leading up to and pointing to Jesus Christ. And so John the Baptist is proclaiming the Messiah who is to come. But John ends up in prison. And God goes, now, now it's time. This is good news. And you see it happen throughout scripture. 
<clears throat> well, he continues. <clears throat> the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Now, you've probably heard that phrase, but what's interesting about that phrase is what it, how it ties to the verse before it. Because in the middle of the verse before it, you know what it says? He went to Galilee. In fact, all four gospel writers, you know what they point at? This is called the harmony of the gospels. And this is one of those things that all four gospels point at this. And if all four gospels point at this, it, says, it means pay attention. Jesus went not to high and mighty Jerusalem, not to where all the quote-unquote religious were, not the religious elite. He went to Galilee. Galilee that would have been considered maybe further from God. Than, than Jerusalem and the people there and the people who's, you know, with all their interests there. He goes to Galilee. Now, that's kind of strange. It would have been very strange to them because they would have been thinking if the Savior's going to come, if God's going to send somebody, surely, surely he's going to show up in Jerusalem. No, no, no. Jesus ends up in Galilee. And, and we learn something from this. This place where maybe people were considered far, that's where Jesus went. You know what you discover? It's still true today. He's near, even when we're far. In other words, you don't have to, you don't have to span the gap. You don't have to reach all the way to the kingdom. You don't have to be that incredible. You don't have to be that great. You don't have to be that capable of getting to him. Instead, he comes to us. He came near. He's near when we're far. Now, if you knew that God was that close and you'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a Messiah, there's a natural question that comes up. What is it? How do I, how do I get close with him? If he's come near to me, how do, I, how do I grasp him? How do I embrace him? How do I get near him? And Jesus began with how to do that. And his message is one that maybe you've heard this word before. But listen to where he begins. Verse 15. Repent. Repent and believe the good news. And already we've got a problem because there is an exclamation mark on the, on the end of that sentence. And if you grew up in church circles and you heard this word repent, it's one of those scary words. And you may have the image of a, a street preacher out on a corner screaming this word repent at you. And yet Jesus, he says, repent and believe the good news, exclamation mark. See, I, I don't know about you, maybe your parents did this to you when you were younger. They would do this thing, and yes, they're, they're watching online. Sorry, mom and dad, I'm just apologizing to you right now. But you're not in the room, so I'm going to share this. Um, so they would say something like, hey, we're going to the dentist, and then we're going to go get ice cream afterward. But you don't hear ice cream, do you? It's kind of like repent and believe the good news. Okay, I think there's good news, but I can't get off this word repent. Or, or maybe you remember, hey, we're just going to swing by the doctor's office real quick, and then we're going to McDonald's. Because what's happening at the doctor's office? You're getting a shot. And you ask them 15 times while you're in the car, am I getting a shot? And they just, they don't answer. Sorry, I'm still, still working through this, all right? <laughs> But he says, repent and believe the good news. And, and, and here's, here's what we have to know here. These two always go together. When Jesus talks about them, repent and believe, they go together. 
when Paul in Acts 20, you, you hear him, it's repent and believe. It's not one or the other. Repentance is this belief building exercise. That God will use that to build our belief. And he does the work. But he says, if you'll, if you'll let go, if you'll change your mind about the direction you've been going, if you'll change your mind about your ways, if you'll leave your ways behind, you'll discover belief in Jesus Christ. And so he says, repent and believe the good news. <clears throat> now, w- when I look at this, I just sit here and I go, If I'm honest, it's really easy to land on one side or the other, isn't it? We can over-focus on those. We really can. You know, and the truth is, you could come to church for months and months and months and months, and you can nod your head at the good news, but can't we all walk out of here and not change our views on our ways? Yeah. I mean, you, you can come here, and for an hour on Sunday morning, you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and then you can go home, and you can fill your head with, whether it's CNN News or Fox News, no judgment if you, if you tune into those, but you can't nourish, you cannot be nourished living on that stuff all week long. Maybe for you, for you it's not a major media outlet. Maybe it's your, your news feed on social media. Because what happens is, is it gets into our brains and we start playing this comparison game. We start seeing one side of the story. And what happens is suddenly nothing's good news. Because an hour here on Sunday morning, focus on the good news. And then hours upon hours upon hours every day of the week outside of here. You know what happens? <laughs> we'll nod our head here on Sunday morning, yes. But nothing changes. You know what will happen? You just won't go anywhere in your faith, your belief. You'll wonder why. Why does it seem like some people have this incredible measure of belief, and yet here I am, I'm struggling with what I'm seeing and what I'm staring at, whether it's on social media or or major media outlets. And yes, we should be informed. It's incredibly responsible as Christians to be informed. But a lot of times we don't help ourselves when we leave here when we don't make the good news of Jesus Christ the priority. And as you get into this, as you walk through these next few verses, what you uncover are really a few different places where we can get held back. And it's like these disciples that, you know, I've talked about Peter before, and I've shared with you, I think God's probably going to put me in a room with Peter one day in eternity, and Peter's going to get to take shots at me because we love to use him as an example. But as you look at these fishermen that Jesus calls, in, in many ways, I think they've pulled ahead of us because, because the, the, the nature and the way in which they followed Jesus, I, as I read it, I just thought, oh man, there's a sticking point there for me. And there's a sticking point there for many of us. Look at, look at verse, <clears throat> excuse me, 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. See, and already this this maybe is working against some of our assumptions. Because here's Jesus. I mean, I don't know what was going through his mind. But you can imagine Jesus, okay, you're Jesus. Just put yourself in his shoes for a minute. You think, okay, I created everything. Here he is walking by the Sea of Galilee. Okay, I'm just saying what I would do if I was in his shoes. I'd be like, I made that. I made that too. Oh, yeah, I'm going to perform miracles here and all that. But that's not what Mark tells us. Mark says he 
saw these two fishermen. See, this is a rabbi who sees differently than we think. And he sees differently than we would assume, doesn't he? See, many rabbis in that day, they would, students would chase them. And it was like you had to be the best of the best of the best student to be able to follow these rabbis. It was referred to as walking in the dust of your rabbi. But this rabbi, he's, he's different. He went to them. He went to his students who weren't really even officially academic scholarly students. They were fishermen. He sees differently. But he saw them. And, and, and here in Galilee, in this place, that so many people maybe would have assumed they were far from God. And Jesus shows up there. And, and it just says he saw. The Greek word actually means behold. Jesus saw them and he beheld them. He took them in and it registered with them. It wasn't like we just kind of glanced past them. No, he, he, he actually noticed and stopped. Mark continues in verse 17. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, or many of you have heard this, I will make you fishers of men. And this was a common phrase, actually, in that culture. But, but one of the things that I, I tend to do when, whenever I've come across this passage is immediately, I think it's an immediate thing. And immediately I look at it and I go, oh man, he just transformed him there on the spot. But this is, this is where we could really use a, a tool in Bible study. You know, one of the things I'd urge you to do is if you've got a translation that you use over and over and over, you know, on your app, on your phone, or at the library, pick a different translation. Go look up the same verse and see what it says. The English Standard Version says this, and it sheds a little bit of light on what we just read here. Here's what it says. I will make you become fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men. And if you were to go to the original Greek word, do you know what it, would, it, would impl- it says it means? Is it's a process. It's a process. Now, let me just ask you something for a minute. Is it possible we've been walking around looking at ourselves, looking at Jesus, making some assumptions that are maybe holding us back. Because as you look at Jesus and then you look at yourself, you think, well, I'm not, I'm not immediately like him. So he must not mean me to follow him. I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly what, I, I don't measure up. I, I have to be honest, and maybe I'm the only one in here, but for years and years and years, you know, what, you know what the words in my head were? I should, I should, I should, I should. And yet Jesus says, no, it's a process. It's a process. And Philippians, Paul tells us that he will carry on to completion his work in you to the day of Jesus Christ. You know what that is? If you were to get into theological terms, it's this thing called the preservation of the saints. It's this thing that God does. He says, look, I've got you. I know you don't, I know you don't think you measure up. I know you're saying, I should, I should, I should. I've got you. It's a process. And one of those things that I believe holds us back are our assumptions. Very quickly, you move into the next verses, and you see something else that often can hold us up. 
Verse 18. At once they left their nets and followed him. It continues. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and here's this phrase again. And they left their father Zebedee. Who's probably thinking, thanks guys, appreciate that, all right? They left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men. So these were not just, we're going to go fishing on a Saturday. Like this is a family trip. They've got hired men. This is a commercial trade here in this region. I mean, they had something substantial that they were leaving. But it says they left. It's, it's this word that it means, uh, or it's pronounced aphiomi. They left. Same word in verse 18 and in verse 20. And I, this is one of those things that I never saw this. You know, we hear, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we think about what he's calling us to. But they left two times in a couple of verses. That points to what is he calling us from. See, we have our assumptions that can hold us back. But in the same way, we've got some attachments, don't we? We all have some attachments. You know, they left their nets. They left their father. And I don't know about you, but this is, this is kind of where the off switch has gotten hit for me in the past. Because I think, just at once? They just did it? I mean, could I do that? And, and I'd begin to look around at my life, and I'd go, I, I don't know that I've left anything at once. At all. I mean, if you were to give me, like, regular-sized Oreos? I mean, maybe I could leave those, because those are like diet Oreos. Give me double... Okay, I'm sorry. Every time I do this, I get 18 packages of double stuff, and that's a different time. Okay, so... Anyhow. But then there's this. At the beginning of verse 20, look what it says. Without delay. Without delay, he called them. I mean, I'm amazed at how many times I want to help Jesus out. I want to be like, Jesus, if you're trying to gain followers, you don't interrupt. You don't jump into the middle of what they're doing and just go, hey, come with me. But I think there's a reason Mark includes this right here. Because Jesus knows that what he has for them is so much better than what they've been in. No doubt, they they maybe were part of great things. But Jesus looks at it, and he goes, okay, I can't stand by and watch any longer. I've got something so much better. So without delay, he called them. See, I wonder, I wonder, as I think about my life, and as I think about many that I've talked to in here and outside of here, that oftentimes we're really just looking for a better, shinier version of what we already have. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. If you'll repent, if you'll change your mind about your ways, watch God do the work of belief to call you to follow. And then verse 20 ends like this, and it really points at a third thing that I believe trips us up, and it gets in our way, and I think this is where the disciples just pull ahead of us. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Followed him. He, he gave them no clarity about what it was going to look like. He, he didn't tell them that they were going to have positions. And if you, if you go, th- as we go through the gospel, you'll, you'll, this gospel of Mark, you'll see the ideas they had in mind. I mean, they had power and they had prestige and they had military might in mind. They had all of it. But right here, 
They didn't have clarity on any of that yet. They just followed. And I thought, my goodness, how often do I get in my mind ideas of what Jesus should do and what God should be up to with his church and in our individual walk with him? Our assumptions, our attachments, our ideas. They can trip us up. I mean, it's fitting that he's talking to fishermen and the imagery of a net is all over this. Because as I look at it, I go, yep, those are the nets. Those are the nets that we get really caught up in, don't we? We've got assumptions about how God sees us. We've got attachments to what he wants to call us from. We've got ideas about what he should be doing, don't we? Yeah, we absolutely do. And I was reminded and I was convicted as I read this that to stay caught up in the nets Jesus calls us from misses out on what he calls us to. If we continue to get caught up in our assumptions and our attachments and our, our ideas, the things he's calling us from, we'll miss out on what he's calling us to. So as I look at this, I think, okay, well, that's nice for the disciples. I mean, they must just be, they, they must just have strong willpower. They must just be like incredible people. Maybe Jesus knew this about them, and it was like he just arranged success from the get-go. And then I came across something, and I remembered something. That this encounter, this encounter is not the first time that these guys have encountered Jesus. If you go to John chapter 1, we know it's not the first time they've encountered him because in John chapter 1, John the Baptist is still walking around. He's not in prison yet. And one day he sees Jesus off in the distance. You know what he says? He says, there he is. There he is, the Messiah who takes away the sin of the world. And we discover that one of the disciples who was following him was Andrew here in this passage. Many believe that the other was John that we read about in this passage. And it says they went and followed him. And then it says this in John chapter 1, and they spent the afternoon with him. Did you catch that? They spent the afternoon with him. And suddenly I realized these weren't like incredible guys that were set apart from the crowd and extraordinary and unlike you and I. These are guys just like you and I, but you want to know why they were able to repent? Because they'd been with the Savior. They'd been with the Savior. They had spent, literally spent an afternoon with him. And as I took that in, I suddenly went, oh my goodness. No wonder they left their nets at once. No wonder they left their father there in the boat with the hired men at once. Because they'd been with Jesus. And they knew that when he said, follow me, he was calling them into another level of their relationship with him. And so my question is this. Have you spent some time with the Savior? Have you, sent some, have you spent some time with the Savior? Maybe some of us need to do a deep examination of what he's calling us from. Maybe we need to look at our assumptions and our attachments and our ideas. Maybe some of us need to open up the word and as, as we see so often, especially in the Psalms, to meditate on his word. You know, meditation this day and age, it gets this, this you know, kind of Buddhist tint to it. But you see it all over the Psalms. David meditating on God's word. Maybe that's what an afternoon with him looks like. 
You know, we get so caught up in, and no judgment if you are, but we've talked about, you know, Bible in a year is great, but sometimes you fly through that to get through volume, when maybe you just need one verse to just chew on, and, and repeat, and sit with, and grasp onto. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's some time <clears throat> with other Christians. You know, maybe it's... <clears throat> I got something going on. Uh, maybe it's, <laughs> I'm getting a drink because <laughs> my wife's laughing at me right now so I know I don't sound right. <clears throat> okay. If it still comes out like this, we're praying and we're leaving, okay? <laughs> maybe it's time with other Christians. Maybe it's shutting off the news feeds that are so holding, causing us to hold on to our views that we can't see the good news. Who knows? I, and as these guys began to follow, I have to think that it probably didn't look like good news. I mean, there's an account, Jesus walks into a town, and people are throwing rocks at him. Now, if you've ever thrown rocks at I've never known anybody to throw rocks with 100% accuracy. You know what that means? It means they're throwing at Jesus, and they're hitting his disciples. This is not good news for them, okay? And these guys would go on. Many of them would be martyred. And you sit there, and you look at it, and you go, how, how is this good news, Jesus? Well, today, we can see that. Because as you look back at the lives of these disciples, their lives got a lot bigger than their lifetimes, didn't they? It's because they responded, they repented, and believed because they first spent time with the Savior that you and I sit here. Because the Holy Spirit worked through them. And he has, he has continued to build his church. And the gates of hell and all of the different things it brings about, including a pandemic, will not overcome it. That is good news. One thing, and I'm done as the worship team comes back up. So <clears throat> I'm sitting with my Spanish teacher after class, and she said something. She said, Nathan, and no joke, I thought I was going to go to the principal's office for this. She said, Nathan, I said, uh-uh-uh. And Espanol, por favor. I know Spanish. Okay, so, um, but she said this. You may not want to learn Spanish, but I know you like people. And she began, she began to tell me about two um, English as a second language students who had showed up at Columbine that year. And they spoke Spanish only. And she said, let me ask you, would you... Would you turn from just constant 100% English if it meant being able to connect with them? And that was all I needed. And I think in much the same way, Jesus looks at you and I and he says, look, would you let go of? Would you stop struggling and striving in the nets that you're in if it meant being able to become fishers of men to share good news with? If you ask me, that's a trade that's worth it. Let me pray and we'll close. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark chapter 1 verses 14 through 20, which just look like numbers and a scripture address to us until we dive into it. And Lord, we thank you for that word that maybe we shy away from, repent. We thank you that you coupled it with belief. And we thank you that you're a God who you don't even leave it to us to do the repentance. But if we'll just come spend some time with you, 
you make it so clear. You make it so clear that you have something so much better to offer than the ways and the nets that we get caught up in. And so write that on our hearts this week. Take us back to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and just continue to illuminate this to the deepest of layers. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.